Daniel, what's at stake in this case before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals? Well, the question here, as it has been in the the previous three rounds of litigation, is uh, what jurisdiction, if any, the FCC has over the ability to regulate uh, broadband network management practices. So the ability of broadband providers such as Comcast or Verizon uh, to shape the uh, flow of information over their networks. And where will this court's decision fit in with the prior decisions? So the Supreme Court said back in 2005 that the Communications Act, which is what gives the Federal Communications Commission its jurisdiction, is ambiguous about the extent to which uh, the agency has jurisdiction to regulate broadband. Under traditional administrative law procedure, that generally means that um, the courts are going to defer to the agency's reasonable interpretation of the statute. And so in this case, um, under the Obama administration, the agency had interpreted the statute to suggest that broadband providers are more like the old telephone network and should be uh, saddled with common carriage regulations in order to protect the public. Uh, The Trump administration, FCC, repealed that decision and returned uh, to a lighter touch regulatory environment, and the challenge is whether they were uh, uh, authorized to do so and whether they did so in a way that's reasoned. We won't know the appeals court's decision for several months, but oral arguments on February 1st. And after the oral arguments, Bloomberg Intelligence gave the challengers a slight edge over the FCC, two judges to one. Did you, and reading about that, did you think that that was uh, the way it might go? So I think on the the uh, larger question about whether the FCC can classify broadband under a light-touch regulatory regime, my sense is the agency has the upper hand. Uh, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for petitioners to overcome the Supreme Court's uh, pretty strong statement to the contrary. The D.C. Circuit has to uh, defer to the Supreme Court's ruling. On uh, the more um, ancillary questions, questions about things like whether the agency can preempt state law and whether the agency sufficiently uh, uh, had authorization to enact the privacy rules that it did. I think that petitioners may have a point there. There's sort of nuanced little arguments um, that may chip away portions of the the order, and I think they probably have the edge on those two to one. So then where would that leave net neutrality rules? So part of it depends on what we call severability analysis whether or not the order is supposed to hang together as a whole or whether part of it can be struck down and the rest can be left in place. The petitioners have argued that because the agency lacks authority to enact its privacy rules, that the privacy rules were the linchpin to the overall order and therefore the whole thing has to be repealed. If that happens, then it would de facto restore the uh, Title II common carriage regime that the Obama administration had put in place. Uh, But I I think that... um, uh, this deferability question is one that's, I think, a bit more nuanced than that. The practice of slowing down transmission is known as throttling. And in the oral arguments, throttling of firefighters' data plans got a lot of attention. Can you explain what the issue was there? Yeah, I actually found this portion of the argument a little bit uh, puzzling. The argument made by um, first responders is that if you allow certain companies to pay for priority delivery, meaning in the event of congestion, a company can pay for um, to get their uh, traffic through first, then that would have the effect of uh, slowing down any traffic that's not prioritized, and the concern would be that first responders would be among those whose traffic would be slowed in the event of congestion. In reality, I'm not convinced that's the case. Uh, most uh, 
first responders operate in what we call an enterprise plan, which are uh, plans that are marketed to business and government entities that are not at issue in these particular rules. And moreover, if, we're, if we think that certain traffic like uh, first responder traffic should, be, uh, should get priority in the event of an emergency, I think that's an argument in favor of allowing uh, carriers to engage in prioritization, not, uh, allowing, uh, not banning the practice of paid prioritization. Another issue was the FCC's claim that net neutrality rules were harming broadband investment. And one of the judges really took issue with that and honed in on it with some contrary evidence. Yeah, that's right. The, um, uh, so the agency has to offer evidence and a clear explanation for why it's doing the things that it's doing. In this case, the FCC had argued that the original Obama-era rules had a, a negative effect on investment, that uh, companies saddled with additional regulations were going to invest less as a result. Uh, the difficulty for them, as uh, Judge Mellett pointed out, is that many of these companies had gone to investors suggesting that the net neutrality rules were going to have no impact, no significant impact on their business. And because statements to investors are almost like uh, statements made uh, to a court under penalty of perjury. The question was put to uh, the agency why that wasn't uh, evidence that pretty strongly undermined their uh, the, the agency's conclusions. And I don't think the agency had a really strong response to that point. In many of these cases where there have been rule changes under the Trump administration, for example, EPA rule changes, the question is whether the proper procedures were followed in order to get to that rule change. And a lot of times in the EPA cases, the proper procedures haven't been followed. In this case, were, were the proper procedures followed? Yeah, so um, there, there's two levels of procedural analysis, right? One would be, did you uh, dot the T's and cross the I's? In other words, did you allow for sufficient comment? Did you address all of the comments um, that we received during the the uh, petition. I don't know that those arguments are going to carry the day. The, arg the strongest argument on the main question, I think, for petitioners is um, whether the agency's decision was arbitrary and capricious, meaning did the agency provide enough explanation as to why it no longer believes now what it believed then. The court isn't in the business of second-guessing the agency's judgment, but it has to make sure that the agency made a judgment and that that judgment was based on substantial evidence. There were more than three dozen plaintiffs, and that included state attorneys general and consumer advocacy groups. In your opinion, does the repeal of net neutrality hurt consumers? We have about a minute here. Yeah, I don't think it does. My sense is that um, uh, net neutrality was not um, a regulation that was adopted to address problems that we were seeing in the marketplace. It was a prophylactic rule. And my concern has been that by forcing all providers to treat traffic equally, that you actually make it harder for broadband providers to innovate and provide different offerings uh, beyond what's currently available in the market now. So I fear that uh, one-size-fits-all regulation may limit the ability to innovate going forward. Thanks so much, Daniel. That's Daniel Lyons. He's a professor at Boston College Law School.